hello, hello everyone and welcome to Isha Ministries today. This is the place where wives and or spouses come to find enrichment, encouragement, and intercession for themselves as well as for their marriages. I am your helpmate and your host, Pastor Selena Owens, and I welcome you today into a brand new, a finalizing episode of our study on the Wives of Destiny. The season we have been looking at Abigail, the wife of Nabal, um, and as we're going to learn in a few moments soon to be wife of David. I hope that you have found her story very, not just intriguing, but very helpful, very impactful as we've studied her character and as we've prayed through with the help of Holy Spirit to receive the same graces that she has received herself. Let's go ahead and prepare our hearts and minds as we move into the very last study of the wife of Abigail. Stay tuned. As we have enjoyed, or at least I have enjoyed, reading about the life of Abigail, we've seen so many different traits and characteristics that Holy Spirit developed in this woman and subsequently wants to hone and refine and refresh within us. We have witnessed her peace. We have witnessed her generosity and kindness. We have uh, witnessed how... Um, even though others rejected people, how she embraced them and how she made it a point to make sure that they were recognized. Hallelujah. And and no longer continuing to be overlooked or disrespected or disregarded. Um, we see how God used her instrumentally in helping to uh, procure the life of one of his kings. Glory be to God. She was a catalyst in ensuring that a man of God did not make an irreparable move in his life. Hallelujah. And so I'm thankful to have learned about her, to have shared in her story, to have received the same impartations and graces that God once gave to her. He's done that. He's released those same graces uh, to me as the host and to you as the listener. Hallelujah. He's no respecter of persons, and I'm so thankful Um for his kindness, his kindness is towards us. So as I said, we've looked at 1 Samuel 25 and we've looked at um, Nabal. We've looked at David. We've looked at the soldiers. And we even did a little study on Samuel. Hallelujah. And as I think about it, we see, I remember part one of this teaching how the Lord really had, really had the people to lament over Samuel. It was evident that Samuel was a great man, that he was a kind man, a generous man, a helpful man. And the people dearly missed him. The people grieved over Samuel. It was, it was made a point. God etched it in scripture to make it a point to remind us, to show us that things started happening once Samuel died. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But what I found very, very interesting is that there was no lamentation over Nabal. Nothing that was recorded. Samuel's was noted. His departure and the way that departure left people feeling very, very sad, very, very grieved. That was noted. That was evident. 
and it lasted as long as it needed to last. But for Nabal, not so much. There was no recorded lament over Nabal. No sadness expressed. I did not read where not one person who had been partying with this man just 10 days before, I did not read where they grieved him, where they sent condolences to his wife, to his widow. I did not read where they um, organized any repast. They didn't bring no macaroni and cheese by nobody sent flowers. I didn't read any of that. What I read from verse 37 was when Abigail chose to share the situation that had come about with him. The scripture tells me his heart died within him. And the next verse says, 10 days later, the Lord smote him and he died. And the scripture moves on in verse 39 to say that when David heard that Nabal was dead, he actually rejoiced. He did not grieve. I did not read where Abigail grieved. I did not read where the servants grieved. But I did read that David was pleased to hear that the Lord had avenged him. Not necessarily so that a man was dead. He did not give glory to God for that. But he did give glory to the Lord for avenging him and for helping David to keep himself clear. Hallelujah. I'm sure that he was very glad that he trusted the Lord to be his Lord. To avenge, since that's who he is, that's a characteristic of God. He's not only a comforter, he's not only a rewarder, but he is an avenger. Hallelujah. And so David blesses the Lord for his faithful commitment to him. David blesses God for protecting the promises that he'd always echoed in David's heart, that he'd always spoken into the very deep recesses of his spirit. And David rejoiced. Again, not so much because somebody had passed, regardless of how foolish or wicked he was. But David rejoiced because God kept him from being the cause of that man's death. David, God fought for David. God fought for David. And he returned Nabal's wickedness upon his own head. David didn't have to do a thing. Hallelujah. And that's a really important lesson that we have to remember. There are times when we get aggravated and provoked and disrespected and lied on, stolen from, mentally, emotionally, verbally, physically, abused, just downright beaten. Hallelujah. Yes, I said hallelujah. Because God gets the glory 
for avenging us, for protecting us, and for keeping us alive in those situations. Uh, Living to see another day, to tell our story, because there are others who are going through the same things that we're going through. But we are giving the opportunity to encourage somebody else through honest testimony of being able to say, I know exactly how you feel. And God is able and God is capable and God will because he's no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. And because he is the same with you today as he was with me in that situation yesterday. Hallelujah. So God fought for David and he kept David from sinning by vindicating himself. The scripture says that David blessed the Lord for that. Literally, he says, blessed be the Lord who pleaded the cause of my reproach at the hand of Nabal and kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And then David did something amazing. The word says he sent and and communed with Abigail to take her to him as wife. So he was well aware. He became well aware of, he became very familiar with the situation between Abigail and Nabal. It was interesting to me when I first read this and I thought, wow, David must have been keeping tabs on that woman because how would he have heard? And why would he go back and want to commune with this woman? It must have been important to him and he must have seen, he must have realized um, how precarious her situation really, really was. And so to rescue her from that home and that life or having to always live through those emotions or whatever his reasons were, I I choose (laughs) to believe that they were not just fleshly, but I choose to believe um, that King David was operating as a king, as a king would and wanted betterment for people. So I believe it is my faith that he wanted to somewhat deliver this woman because of all that she'd been through. Hallelujah. And so he sought her to marry her. Hallelujah. To take her to him as wife. Glory be to God. When I read this word commune, it reminds me in this particular text that um, he declared a thing. He promised a thing. And then I started thinking about what a courtship that must have been for her. Here we go from having a man who she couldn't talk to and she knew she could never talk to, to a man that had been keeping tabs on her and was concerned about her welfare and her benefit that wanted to marry her. Hallelujah. He recognized, this man recognized that Abigail had been a good wife to Nabal. Glory be to God and believe that I choose to believe that he chose to believe that if 
Abigail could be that dedicated to a foolish man, then she would certainly be faithful and dedicated and loving to him as well. And so when David's servants came to Carmel for Abigail, she graciously agreed to the proposal without any record of hesitation. She didn't say, oh, you know, I got to think about that thing because y'all living out there in the wilderness. No, the scripture says in verse 40, and when the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David sent us to you to take you to him to be his wife. And she arose and bowed herself to the earth and said, behold, let your handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hastened and arose and rode on a donkey with five of her maids who followed her. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. She displayed great humility once again, bowing herself before these same men that she just very recently, very recently bowed herself before in intercession. Here she was bowing to serve them. Completely different capacity, completely different circumstances. But once again, her, her humility is on display. And so, so she washes the feet of them, calling them messengers. And so even though David is not present, perhaps he's preparing a place for her. I don't know. <laughs> but she consented to marry him in faith. I love that because the scripture only records them ever having one meeting. And that one meeting was intense, potentially volatile. Wow. And this woman operates in faith to marry this man. Again, keep in mind, all she's known of him is anger and vengeance. You have to have the Holy Spirit of God in a situation like this in order to move out in faith and accept the proposal. How did she know it wasn't a setup? That he still wasn't angry, that he went home or went back to wherever he was and thought about that thing and said, nah, I need revenge. I need to exact revenge upon her. And so, you know, let's just go under this guise. Y'all go get her and bring her back here and I'll slay her. She didn't know. She did not know. Glory be to God. But she had the Holy Spirit of faith leading her. Hallelujah. Even though their initial meeting was not on the best of terms. I think about a show that I like comes on. Tuesdays. It's called Married at First Sight. And when I read this scripture over, I think about that show. I think about that show. I think about, again, how Abigail has to marry. She chooses to marry a man in faith that she'd only briefly met. And again, she did not meet him under the best of terms. But nevertheless, she believed and she trusted that he would always do right by her, always provide for her and never harm her. Hallelujah. Based on how he sent her away initially, after she pleaded and interceded and did what she had to do, she trusted in him. 
She trusted the king in him. Hallelujah. He was faithful to do just what she had asked, and that was remember your handmaiden. Some of her very last words to him, that was her request. And so I love that he'd been keeping tabs on her. I choose to even believe that he um, had thoughts, very dear thoughts of her. (laughs) Because when he heard of her widowhood, he didn't waste any time in communing with her. There was no gap. Verse 38 says, and about 10 days after that, the Lord smote Nabal and he died. And verse 39 says, and when David heard that Nabal was dead. One verse ends with the death. The next verse picks up with the death. And so there's no gap there. He did not waste any time to commune with her. And and she too. We know one thing about her is that she's not a woman afraid to make what me, what we might call a hasty decision. We learned that in her first marriage. She was willing to go out and do whatever she needed to do. And that character that characteristic, rather, excuse me, was still present here even through um, having to bury her husband. She spared no time with the green, with the rising and riding upon the ass and making sure that she had her help with her. Five damsels with her. Five maids went with her. And she became this man's wife. Hallelujah. Even though... I don't believe David really had a home per se. First Samuel 24 told me that after David gave Saul his oath of not to slay him and not to kill him, Saul went home, but David and his men went to the stronghold. They went up to the caves, not to a home. So she was very much aware of where David lived and how David lived. Again, according to the chronology of how the Bible is written. David would later go on to acquire a few other wives and become king and live in the palace. And I don't know that he lived happily ever after because he definitely had some challenges. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there were just so many exemplary principles that we can glean from every life that was mentioned here. Abigail, Nabal, the young men, David, of course, even Samuel. Every personality in this one chapter truly lived up to his name and his character. Nabal, he was very foolish. Um, And eventually did provide the king. (laughs) I love this with gifts. The, The king, David, only wanted food, but eventually Nabal would yield Everything. Nabal ended up vicariously, of course, giving David his very wife. Look at God. Hallelujah. Abigail was one who also lived up to her name. She may never have viewed herself as a weapon of spiritual warfare, but uh, this chapter tells me that she waxed valiantly in every effort that she gave to save her household to save her marriage, to keep peace in the land. Hallelujah. And so when I read this chapter, I see that there are many axioms 
that can help us with our everyday daily spiritual warfare. And it's here that we see many weapons. As I look back over this, we see many weapons that God has given us and made ready for us to use, to have a continual victory over our enemy. And so as we engage in spiritual warfare, we know that we can stand as good and understanding women. We can stand as wise peacemakers. And those who uh, not just pacify, but those who actually stand up for righteousness and intercede and are willing to risk whatever is necessary in the name of justice, in the name of truth, in the name of protection, in the name of covenant. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage every wife, every woman um, to go back again and to, to look at the many, many characteristics in this chapter. The scripture says that we sin daily. We fall somewhere every day. There's, there's a muscle, a spiritual muscle that we can exercise every day. And so I would encourage you and myself to go back through this chapter and look at it and see which one God is wanting us to exercise, to increase strength in. Hallelujah. Uh, for some, it might be patience. For some, it might be generosity. For some, it might be timing. For some, it might be intercession. Um, for some, it just might be humility. Hallelujah. Just becoming even more humble. Just doing what you know to do. Doing what you know is right. Yes, he's acting this way, but you don't have to say anything. Just go on and go on in the kitchen. Go sweep the floor. Go put the load of laundry in. Go do something. Hallelujah. Just humble yourself and let God avenge you. Let God deal with the situation. Amen. Amen. Again, I want to thank you all for participating in this study as we reflect on the life of Abigail from 1 Samuel 25. I pray that it has encouraged you and helped you and blessed you as it has done for me once again over these last few weeks. I encourage you also to stay tuned as we have our closeout prayer on the life of Abigail. Thanks again, everybody. And until next time, God bless you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, your voice, your spirit. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to be able to read your word and interact with it and become one with it. Embrace it um, even when it hurts us, Lord God. We thank you that there's always love connected to the sword. Hallelujah. There's always love, the handle on the sword. Thank you, Jesus. Um, it's always a, always has a grip of love. And so God, I thank you that even though you chastise us, um, with one swipe or, you know, with, with pointing this out or pointing that out, um, you still comfort us with the other side. And so God, I thank you for your love and your presence and your forgiveness. I pray, Father, for every husband today. I pray for wives 
as wives choose to pray for their men, for their husbands, and any husbands that might be listening, going through this situation, um, for their for their wives in the name of Jesus. So I pray for spouses all around, Lord God, and I pray that whether our, our husbands, again, parenthetically, and or wives um, are like Nabal or David or um, the young men, I pray in the name of Jesus that whatever it is that they truly, truly need from you, God, that we would see it as a need and not just complaints. So I'm asking you to open our vision and allow us to see that when they're selfish or when they are egotistical, as Nabal was both, or when they are vengeful and spiteful and angry um, and just on edge, ready to fight, ready to argue, as David was. God, I, I pray that you would show us as, as wives what the real need is, what the real issue here is, Lord God. And I ask you for help, that you would help us to cover them, um, to bind what we need to bind, to cast out what we need to cast out, and to loose and feel in its place what we need to loose and feel in its place in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that uh, our own husbands... Because First Peter 3 is very clear that the wife should minister to her own husband. So I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that our own husbands would be able to live happily with us and enjoy life with us as their wives. That's what your word says in Ecclesiastes 9 and 9. And so, God, I pray that in the name of Jesus. God, I also ask um, in your son's name that you would forgive us. Forgive me. Forgive every, every wife, every spouse listening. When we did not stand up for our spouses or for our marriage, where we did not cover them as your word should, whether that is in public, in front of our kids, in front of family or church or friends or wherever, when we did not cover them, even in private, when you showed us something and we still antagonized the situation. Hallelujah. God, forgive us where we didn't stand up and cover them as we were supposed to. And God, I, I pray forgiveness for them, for our spouse where they did not stand up and cover and protect us from their vantage point. In the name of Jesus, oh God, I pray forgiveness for both parties in this marriage covenant where, where we both were antagonistic or um, provocative towards a situation and just did not honor the marriage covenant. Chose to be angry, chose to be bitter, chose to have choice words, chose to walk away without the situation being resolved. Good God, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. I pray, Lord God, for every heart that's listening and, and hurting and feeling something right now. Maybe I'm not saying exactly what they may have done, but wherever they fall short within this category, God, I'm praying
for them and for their marriage in the name of Jesus. I'm asking God that you forgive us when we didn't feel like (laughs) discerning their anger or their hurt or their arrogance or their aggressiveness where we didn't choose to see that they were actually experiencing a need in disguise. And so therefore, like Abigail, we could not address it in good character and in good faith and in good wisdom because we chose to succumb to what we saw instead of the faith that you gave us. So forgive us, God, and help us to become more sensitive as wives and more sensitive as spouses. And help us, help me, help your listeners hear God. To do better at providing Uramashaya, a cover over a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. With our words, with our love, with our prayer, with our meek and quiet spirit, with the law of kindness, with our gentleness. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. And I ask you, God. Uh, to bless and to secure every every desire and every facet in our husbands' lives. Whether they go out to work or go out to play, whether they go out to wash the car, whether they whatever it is that they that they do, God secure them in the name of Jesus. Second Timothy three says that this is part of your grand plan that they may be perfect, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished, thoroughly furnished in the name of Jesus unto all good works. So God, I ask that you help us to do our part as wives, as women, as spouses, to pray down your blessings and your grace so that Our covenant partners will be thoroughly furnished unto all good works in the name of Jesus. Please continue to provide them with good health and satisfy them with long life and steady and satisfying and rewarding work in the name of Jesus. That they would not hate their labor, that they would not even hate coming home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father, we pray for their relationships as well, their relationships with co-workers, with friends, with neighbors. I pray for our covenant partners' relationships, even with our kids, with, with their siblings and church members, even strangers, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I ask that you help us to always do good to them. Proverbs 31 says, help us to always do good to them all the days of our lives. Do good and never evil in the name of Jesus. And help us, God, during our highest times of frustration, God, and irritability with them, God. 
Help us with them. Help us as wives, God, to support them. And again, as 1 Peter 3 says, help us to defer to them, to adapt ourselves to them. And help us to respect them and honor them and acknowledge them, esteem them, appreciate them, prize them. And in every sense that the human word that you've given power to this human sense for us to do, help us to adore them, taking nothing away from you, Holy Spirit. But this is your word. So help us to live it in the best human sense as possible. God, in the name of Jesus, help us to remain devoted to and deeply loving our husbands, these men that you've given us. And may they feel the same for us, God. And your word even says here, verse Peter three and two, that we have the right to enjoy them. Whatever that means to our listener, God, I pray that they would enjoy. Oh, my Jesus, their spouse. And I pray that their spouse would enjoy them. I pray that I would enjoy mine. I pray that mine would enjoy me. In the name of Jesus, God. And that's so much more than just beyond the physical. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for the spouse of anyone listening now that doesn't know you or doesn't know you as well as you would like. I ask right now that through us as the receiving spouse, that through our actions and our prayers and our interactions, that they will come to know you greater and greater sooner rather than later. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, according to your word in 1 Corinthians seven fourteen. I thank you for sanctifying our marriage. Hallelujah. And making it a godly union. Whether we both believe or just one believes, I thank you, God, for the anointing of grace that you've placed upon the covenant simply because we choose to come before you and humble ourselves before you and intercede for your love and your salvation. Your true graces for them, God, in the name of Jesus. So, Father, thank you um, for all that you've done for us individually and for us as a couple, for our marriage, for our marriages. Hallelujah. Help us to continue to show kindness to them and them to us. Thank you, God, because your word says in Romans 2 that it is the kindness of God that truly causes Repentance that truly causes change in, in our behavior and in our thoughts. And so, God, it is your presence. It is your refreshing. It is your covering. It is your grace. It is your love. It is your healing. It is your forgiveness. It is your mercy that we desire and plead for. And thank you, Jesus, that we expect. In the name of Jesus. We expect you now, God, to move in our lives, in our marriages, in greater dimension. In the holy, unequivocal name of Jesus, the Christ from Nazareth, we pray. God, thank you. Hallelujah for being one over and upon our marriages right now. In the name of God, amen. Amen and amen. 
Friends of Isha Ministries, I want to thank you so much for walking with us and listening to us and engaging with us here at Isha Ministries as we have prayed through our very first wife in destiny, Abigail from 1 Samuel 25. If this ministry has in any way impacted you or helped you and you would like to uh, be a part of that, please don't hesitate to visit us at ishas.com, I-S-H-S-H-A-H-S.com, or email us at ishas at outlook.com, and let us know just that. Let us know how we've encouraged you, how the series have been a blessing to you, and what you would like to see or hear, rather, coming forward, moving forward in the name of Jesus. So thank you again so much for your patronage, and we look forward to speaking and hearing with you. Have a great day, everybody, and God bless you.